Welcome to the Service MVP podcast, and my name is Joe Crisera, an America's service sales coach, and I am here with a great, uh, it's a great honor to have this guest with me today. His name is Dan Ariely. He is a professor of psychology and behavioral economics at Duke University. Dan's book, Predictably Irrational, was a great influence in creating our total immersion service sales training program and using the science of pricing allowed us to create some of the tiered pricing models that many of you use today, the premium, mid-range, and economy model. His newest book is called Misbelief, and it's already another instant classic as well. Dan, welcome to the program. It's an honor to have you here. Lovely, lovely to be here. Dan, uh, let's go ahead and talk about, uh, you know, what inspired you. I understand that, you know, just getting involved with behavioral psychology uh, was something where you had uh, an accident that occurred during your, your healthcare treatments and things like that. Or some of the things you thought were just irrational that people were doing to get your care and to have less pain and suffering throughout the care. Uh, would you like to go ahead and uh, tell us what inspired you to write this latest book and just get involved with this this line of books that you have written? Yeah. So, uh, so as you know, uh, all my other books started with research. I had research on pricing, I had research on human motivation, and my question was, how do I make it actionable uh, for people? And that was the, all of my previous books were like that. Uh, this book was very different. Um, during the first few months of COVID, uh, I thought I was being incredibly helpful. I uh, was fielding calls. I got lots of requests, you know, lots of things about how do you manage in this complex time? What should the police do? Uh, give fines, no fines, yes, fines. How do we do distant education? What do we do with people on furlough? I mean, lots of, lots of interesting questions. And I feel I'm being extra useful. And all of a sudden, uh, in July, I get an email that says, Dan, what happened to you? How did you become such a person? And I said, what do you mean? And I get a long list of links. Uh, I'll just describe one of them. In one of them, it describes my injury. I was burned in 70% of my body and was in hospital for about three years. But then it goes on to saying that because of my injury, I started hating healthy people, and that's why I joined the cabal, Bill Gates and the Illuminati to try and kill as many healthy people as possible. Not true, by the way. <laughs> um, and, and I spend one very painful month trying to argue, trying to explain myself, try to have a discussion, uh, assuming I have uh, people on the other side who are truly interested in finding out the truth. But after a month, which was very difficult, uh, I gave up. By the way, I, I got lots of death threats. Uh, my university, I got a death threat two weeks ago that was so severe that they had to go to the authorities uh, with it. So it's, 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 a, it's complex, it's, it's heavy. It's a, um, but anyway, after a month of trying to understand and try to argue and try to reason, I gave up. And I decided to study this phenomena. And I sat back and I found about 20 misbelievers, 20 people with very extreme views that were willing to talk to me. And I didn't try to convince them. I just tried to understand their view. 
and um, have discussions with them. And I learned a lot, and I think they learned a little uh, mm -hmm. in this process. And then I did some other research, and I looked at the academic literature. And, and the, the end of this is this book, which is trying to basically capture this machinery, which I call the funnel of misbelief. And is to say, you know, in the same way that the cookie attacks our senses, right? Somebody designed the cookie to have an optimal combination of sugar, fat, and salt to get us to want one and then to keep on wanting them. Mm -hmm. In the same way, the funnel of misbelief, I don't think it was designed with, with this purpose, but it's almost like it's a, it attacks all of us, all of our psychology. It attacks our stress, our emotional system. It attacks our cognitive system. It attacks our personality. It attacks our social system. And eventually, it leads us into these very, very tough, tough beliefs. And, and the big picture from this book is really about trust. Mm. And it asks the question of how can we act together? Mm. Uh, the moment <clears throat> we have people who stop believing things or losing trust, um, how do we act together? Uh, think even about something like people who believe the earth is flat. Mm -hmm. It's not just that they believe the earth is flat. They believe that NASA is lying to them and that every government mm -hmm. is lying to them and every pilot knows the truth and every education system is hiding it. When you have this sort of belief, it, it hurts you in a very, very deep way. It's basically a prism from which you look at everything else. Mm. And now ask yourself, how can we work together? You know, we, we know how important trust is. And the moment you look at life and you say, I don't trust anybody. I'm suspicious. Yeah, I think that goes, I think it goes with all, even with organizations and things like that. It's like uh, whenever we have frustration with coworkers, frustration, even in our marriage, it's like uh, we're, we're always frustrated with the other person. It's you versus me. Uh, when we get to the place of us, then uh I think we're on we're on better ground, right? We're on a healthier ground okay. to be able to solve solve whatever problems we have when we're both committed to the fact of us. What do you think of that? Yeah, you know, I'm usually afraid of giving uh, marriage uh, analogies, but <laughs> since you brought it up, I'll, I can blame it on you. But I think about something like bickering. Mm -hmm. You know, okay, so who cares if the toilet seat is up and down or up and down? If there's uh, something in the sink, if these are not the big issues of humanity that people should get upset about. But of course, when people get upset, it's never about those things, right? It's not as if somebody says, oh, I have a really strong preference. I would date only somebody who doesn't leave um, dishes in the sink. So, so it's not about this. It's about all kinds of other things. And, and bickering is a good example because it's basically people interpret it as a sign of disrespect. So you left your shirt on the, didn't you hear me telling you it's important? It's not the shirt. It's the signal of the shirt as being something much bigger than that, right? All of mm -hmm. a sudden, the shirt is not a shirt. It's a proof that you actually don't care. Uh, you don't care about me. So yeah, so those, those prisms mm -hmm. on life are incredibly, incredibly dangerous. And, and uh, we, we, need, we need to get good ones. Right. I, I want people to always suspect good intentions. 
rather than than bad intentions. Yeah, it'd be it'd be a good way to default to that, right? Um, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about that. Just when you got attacked on these on those different things that were <clears throat> taken out of context and represented your uh, statements and beliefs that were uh, obviously false, but you know you feel you had to tell us about the uh, what that what was that like having to go through storm the weather that kind of storm of attack i don't think many people realize you know the dark feeling you get even when you get a bad post on facebook when somebody says something negative yeah. about one of your like everybody's just that dark feeling in the pit of their stomach i can't imagine yeah. that people sending your place of work uh death threats and things like that what's that yeah. like to even go through that experience and how do you how do you how do you say okay i gotta fight the impulse to be just terrorized and say you know what i'm just i've let me just center myself. How did you center yourself through all that? So, um, so, so first of all, I, I wasn't perfectly successful and it is very, very tough. Um, you know, after um, the attacks of Hamas on October 7th, there were even videos of uh, my involvement in October 7th. Mm. People show the horrific images from October 7th and uh, make claims about my connection again uh, no connection mm. but they make that and you know even just this association um is awful so so there's a concept uh, in psychology called scarcity mindset mm -hmm. usually think of it as connected to poverty and we say look people who are poor and need to worry about how they manage their cash flow will i be able to afford lunch will i be able to pay my rent buy medication part of their mind is busy with those things. It's not, they don't have their whole 100 capacity percent dedicated to the task at hand. And in fact, if you give people at that state uh, an intelligence test, they perform worse. Not that their intelligence goes down, it's that part of their brain is occupying. And many of us who've taken care of a sick child or spouse or parent know something about that. It's a, it's a nagging thought that doesn't that doesn't go away. I, I would say I couldn't, I couldn't leave it alone. Uh, I, I felt that I lost 20% IQ. I felt I was trying to work and the noise in the background of uh, death threats and, you know, people saying they're burning my books and mm -hmm. uh, telling me that they're coming after me and that they know where I live and those things just occupy um, part of my mind. But during the day, I, I, would, I was 80% able to focus, 20% I think I lost. Hmm. Um, but then at night, of course, uh, I didn't have the same control. And lots of, lots of nightmares, lots of dreams that I'm uh, searching for a kind place to live with, with less hate. <laughs> Mm. Uh, that was uh, that was very tough and um you know some people even attacked me on the street so it wasn't just uh, online and when that happened i i did become very sensitive so i would walk in the street and i would hear a shout and and i would be sure it's meant for me like you know i i became very sensitive to to those attacks so i did i did take some steps i stopped looking at things online 
and I, there were some things I decided not to share because I didn't feel like getting attacked. Uh, mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. so, you know, it does, it does have an effect. It's not, it's not easy to say, well, it's impossible to say, I don't care. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Well, let me just say, first of all, uh, how much, uh, I admire the effort you're making right now to even to share this. And I really appreciate, because uh, I think a lot of us uh, go through dark times and uh, I feel attacked personally, but nothing at that level, obviously. That is something that is, uh, and I want to thank you for sharing. It makes us all feel better that, hey, uh, it's not just the, all, all of us uh, who go through this individually. I think sometimes, we again, you go back to us that there, there's a lot of that going on in society with even our own relatives and things like that, right? Uh, you know, uh, I've heard one relative say that because I asked the person who lives in California, like, yeah, well, that's okay because you you guys are all going to fall off the face of the earth anyway. And like, it's like that's a that's a grandfather telling their granddaughter <laughs> that, right? And it's like, oh my goodness. So anyway, uh, well, thanks for sharing that. Definitely, me, and I think it's going to be one, I can, good, one yeah. other thing about this is that. You know, when, when we think about this, this funnel of misbelief and we say, you know, the first condition is stress and that's the breeding ground for, for misbeliefs. When we're attacked, uh, one of the best things to do is to try and build a resilience. Mm. It, in general, you know, in general as a society, I think we're in a crisis of resilience. Uh, how many good friends do we have? How often do we see our relatives? You know, um, saying <clears throat> hi something on, on email or, or Facebook is not a substitute for, you know, going on a hike and, and talking or, you know, we spend more time in our um, nuclear families, uh, less time with extended family, less time with, with friends, right? We all have these images from the uh, 50s of men going back from work and going first to the pub and, and meeting their friends and women. Mm-hmm doing similar things in, in other places. Th- those, those images are images of investing in a social life, and, mm-hmm. and we do less and less of that. Income inequality is taking slices at resilience, because even if the level of neighborhood, uh, if you think that income, in- as you think that income inequality is higher, you're less and less likely to ask other people for, for help. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Who who can you turn to? Imagine mm-hmm. you said, you know, I can't pay my bills. I need a short-term loan from a friend. You know, mm-hmm. very very tough. Very very tough. We're more so. So I think all of us uh, need to invest in resilience. We need mm-hmm. to invest in uh, loving, caring, supportive relationship, uh, romantic, non-romantic, family, non-family, and. And it's kind of like insurance, you know? We, we say, oh, our, our day today is fine, right? Do I really yep. want to, to take a day and meet cousin Larry? You know, say, oh, maybe, maybe I'm too busy. But in the mm-hmm. long term, um, we need those things and we, we don't have enough of them. And, and I, I'm, the last few years, um, I, I made a substantial effort to reconnect with, with old friends, including lots of friends from first grade and from middle school. And, and, and that, that was tremendously helpful. 
was tremendously helpful. I bet. Helpful. I'll bet. Yeah. You know, it's like it's interesting because it's like you know what we do when I hear people say it's a sales training program. Obviously, it's like it has the darkest connotation immediately, right? So what we've done is we said, you know, we have to. And one of my clients told me he said, Joe, you need to create a different talking point here. It's not. The, you know, nobody's interested in learning how to sell. So what they did, they said, we call it pure motive service, which is really the, the, the idea to make sure that whenever you deliver any message, what, no matter how persuasional it is and how much persuasion it has in it, you know, we know if we stack up the prices, the premium mid-range economy model, it'll be better than if we just do one price or whatever. Type. So we know ahead of time, that's what the truth is. But we always say this, deliver it with uh the fact that people feel cared for, respected, and supported when you, at the end of that message, no matter what you're doing. And it, that has worked. That has been something that has been there. Talk a little bit more about that. Talk about how, uh, as you know, those of us, those people like you, and, you know, I've had some dark times too where people attacked what I was saying because, hey, you had, you know, you're a sales guru and all that kind of stuff. But I just say, listen, uh, you can say what you want. I just know in my heart, I'm here to help. Right. Yeah. And so I think, uh, how, how, what's the responsibility of leaders in our society, like people like you and people like me and other people, uh, to make sure they do feel that they give back and show that they care, respect and support other people. Tell me about that. Yeah. So, so let me before that, um, echo sure, what, what you've said in a slightly different way. So, you know, when we talk about misbeliefs, there's a question of how we convince somebody. Mm-hmm. And we all know that giving people more data uh, doesn't work. <laughs> you have two people with different beliefs and you say, oh, what about this point? And what about this point? And even before you finish the sentence, they already know why you're wrong. Yes, you, yes. It, it becomes a battle. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, <laughs> in personal life, marriage and, and, and professional lives. But, you know, yeah. all of us, if we if we looked at our history of how many people have we convinced throughout our lifetime, the number is low. (laughs) 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 So, so one trick is to try and not come against people, but to come at it from their side. Mm -hmm. And we call this the illusion of explanatory depth. Mm. So, Imagine, imagine that I came to you and instead of arguing with you, I say, Joe, help me understand your perspective. So um, here's, an, uh, here's an example. When I say, so the experiments were about explaining all kinds of things. Can you explain to me how a zipper works and how um, a lock works and how a virus works? And, and w- when you ask people to explain it, you don't tell them you're wrong. Say, help mm-hmm. me understand how it works. And they say, okay, help me understand how this works. And, and often people, may, maybe I don't understand. But the issue is you don't come antagonistic. You come from their perspective. Mm-hmm. So say, I'm not here to convince you of anything. I'm here to help you. That's, that's important. So you don't have to stand guard. There's no, right. there's no attack. Mm-hmm. And, and the second thing is, help me understand what you need. I'm not telling you what you need. Help me understand what you need. And what is getting you to perform better and what is helpful for you and how exactly does it work and you're saying that you know whatever and your 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 current camera is great i'm I'm not Mm -hmm. questioning what could be better i'm not i'm not i'm not telling you you're wrong right i I don't want somebody to have a great camera so you don't have a great camera look at this one so okay i trust you but what where how does it work well for you where it doesn't Mm -hmm. 
and what could be better. So, so the moment you take this perspective, you, you become less antagonistic, you're not arguing, you're coming from people's perspective and then you, you get to basically be on their side, which is what eventually, what eventually you want. The, the other thing that, that you said that is very important is to make it clear that you have people's interest in mind. <clears throat> so how, how do I explain to you? How do I demonstrate to you? Not explain. How do I demonstrate to you that I have your best interest in mind? Imagine that I'm your financial advisor. Um, if I keep on telling you, save more money, save more money, more, bigger, you know, mm -hmm, amount mm -hmm. of money under management, how can, who am I, who am I representing? It's hard to tell. Yeah. What if I said, you know what? Why don't you take $50,000 and pay down a little bit of your mortgage? Yes, it would leave less money under management, but I think you would feel more satisfied by making this big step toward your... Mm -hmm. now, that's a step that creates trust. Now, there are lots of people who have their clients' best interest at heart, but they often don't have a good way to show it. So if you think about the financial advisor that says, save more, save more, save more, save more, maybe they're correct. Maybe it's a good advice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, mm -hmm. but the level of trust is reduced because who are they saying it for? Themselves or you? The moment you say, have you considered paying $50,000 off your down payment, taking it from your savings, now you say to the person, I am, look, here's an example. I'm not telling you, I'm showing you. Mm -hmm. Here's an example. Yeah, where... I, think it's, I think it's the assumption, right? That I think most people, when they communicate, communicate halfway through and then expect the other person to get it, right? Like, hey, uh, you know, like we would say something like, hey, you know, uh, somebody would say, email, can you email the proposal? And of course, I could say, no, we're not going to email it. That's stupid. Uh, we're not done with this yet. But it'd be the wrong way to saying it. So I'd say, uh, hey, could you email the proposal? Hey, actually, I could do better than that. Why don't we just go through this a little bit more? Let's eliminate the ones that you don't want. And I'll email the one that you're interested in. If I said I could do that, what do you think of that? Oh, yeah, that's the way to... So in a way, we're kind of saying I could do better than that, right? Like you said. Uh, and I think that's the part. I think the assumption that people, when they communicate, like, hey, you need to start saving more money. But they don't give the reason that's beneficial, the because, that I call it, right? The because... <laughs> Uh, hey, we need to save more money. You start need to start putting away more money because this will make your it easier for you guys to have that tax burden you have coming up for next year uh, to be able to handle that and be able to still put money toward the investment so you have a great uh, uh, vacation coming up. You have that kind of, <laughs> or whatever the benefit would be of it, right? They forget they forget the part that's the beneficial part. That's the thing I think most people are they're half-assed communicators, basically. You know, we we, we assume people understand their own reasons. Uh, mm -hmm. for doing something. And we also assume that if we have uh, good intentions, that it's very clear to other people that we have good intentions. That, that's and it. That's, that's also, uh, also not very true. Uh, but, but, you know, again, if we go to the financial advising uh, example again, um, you know, one, one example is to say, look, I understand you want to do this, um, but should we have another discussion 
uh, with your significant other just to make sure that they are on board as well. So imagine I can say, oh, you know, um, I know we agreed on X, Y, and Z, but from my experience, spouses fight a lot about money. Uh, why don't we try to have a discussion? I know it will take another hour of your time and mine, right? but, but it, it would reduce the chances that there'll be some friction in the family afterward, right? That, that statement mm -hmm. is basically saying, I care about your well-being. Mm -hmm. I care about the quality of your life. Or if somebody comes with an advice that is clearly in the service of people, you, and you know, uh, we've looked at it, and it turns out that people who open savings accounts for college for their kids, uh, the kids are more likely to go to college. Mm. You know, you know things, things like that where you basically are going outside of the pure saving category and you frame it in a way that is beneficial. It has the destination mapped out already. It's not like it's uh, not assuming we have that account for college. That is directed toward college and the benefit, the benefit is outlined in that account. I think that's yeah. uh, the thing here. Dan, well, it's been a great, uh, you know, our, say a great podcast starts on time and this one definitely did. And definitely it always sends a great one ends on time. So why don't you go ahead and give us just a few thoughts as to uh, what you'd like our listeners to know that uh, just about that predictable human behavior, uh, predictably irrational human behavior uh, that they, that, that you can say uh, to, to be able to use, to motivate them to use it. What do you think we can, uh, what lessons do you think we can uh, leave with them today? So, so I would say, you know, we evolved to a very different environment than the one we have now. And we have, our brain is kind of like a set of tools that were designed for a different set of tasks. And modern environment is wonderful. I don't want to go back to the Middle Ages. Uh, but, but we need to figure out how do we use those tools. Uh, they might have been good tools for the past. They're certainly not good tools for now. And we need to figure out how do we work with these arcane tools, ourselves, our customers, uh, in, this, in this modern environment. And, and the moment we will start recognizing that we're not rational, and that we have this set of arcane tools that are serving us from time to time, but not perfectly. Um, the better we will be, we will design a better world that would get people to make better decisions. Dan, thank you so much for being on our show today and definitely look for the play replay uh, when we have it uh, posted. Everybody, thank you so much for listening in. Dan, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you. My pleasure. Talk to you soon.